Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Well, this morning on Resurrection Sunday morning, uh, we're actually going to kick off a new series today, and we've called it Musical Chairs. And with that idea, um, we're all familiar with, uh, with the game, you know, that there will be eight chairs or however many chairs set up, um, but there's always one extra participant. And at the end of it, there's going to be somebody who is left out. And so when the music stops, when the DJ turns off the tunes, there's the mad dash for everybody to take care of themselves. And people will push their best friend on the ground that knocked their mama out of the way to make sure they have a place to rest. And so many times life can turn into that and feel like that. And the truth is, is that Jesus came to set us free because life is really meant to be lived resting in Jesus. So what we're going to do over the scope of this series is look at what it means to really get out of the cycles that begin to, to, to tear life down and look what it means to really rest in Christ. Because a lot of times we feel like we kind of maybe have a handle on this life thing. Obviously the pandemic has, has interrupted everything and has kind of thrown us off our game, so to speak. But the, the truth is, is we've never quite on top of things as maybe we even feel in our best of moments. And so we tend to think that maybe something is going to create something for us, and then it, it, it doesn't. And there's a lot of assumptions at play. Whenever this pandemic was beginning to have its impact here in the U.S., and the U.S. began to take some response to it, um, I was uh, scheduled to be on a trip to Africa and be in Kenya and Uganda. Now, the wisdom of my wife told me, going on this trip, Brand, in the middle of a pandemic, is not a brilliant idea. What if you get stuck in Africa? And I was like, babe, hey, I'm not going to get stuck. Everything's going to be cool, you know? All that's happening over there in China. All is going to be cool. Uh, so I end up going ahead, going on the trip, going my long journey over there, get over in all that process, I had to get a vaccination. I had to get a yellow fever vaccination. I had to start some malaria medicine because I didn't want to get malaria while I was over there. And, of course, it's passed on by the mosquitoes. And so I, my bed had a mosquito net. And, and Cutie told me, she said, hey, um, when you get over there, find some bug spray. Okay? Get some bug spray. Bugs love to eat me. I'm like a walking bug buffet. And they love to bite me. She's like, get some bug spray. I know you're on the malaria pills, but let's get some bug spray. So I was like, all right, I'm going to get some bug spray. So we get there, get settled in, have kind of our first night there. Going about to, to go to our rooms. And the uh, national missionary who was hosting all of this, as we were brought in all of these pastors, he talks to us Americans and he says, hey, um, would you like some bug spray? I said, yes. I said, in fact, you're going to make my wife a super happy woman. Because she said, Brand, I want you to get some bug spray, so now I have some. So he's like, all right, I'll bring it to your room. So he brings me the bug spray, and I see this can of bug spray. And man, and this is some legit 
can of bug spray. This is a big can of bug spray. And I was like, man, this is, they don't play around here in Africa. But, of course, mosquitoes are deadly in Africa. They'll make you sick, bad sick. So I was like, no wonder they, you know, we have our little cans off, and you just kind of do it so that you don't get little pesky bites. But, man, they are fighting disease with this stuff. So I was like, man, they got this big can. So I take the can of bug spray and look at that, and I'm not, I can't see the label of the bug spray at this point. So I take the can, and I go to hose my arm off, and I do it, and man, it comes out fast and intense in this big fog, and I go, whoo, they do not play with the African bug spray. So I spray it on me, spray it on my neck, and then dust my face, and then I look at the label. And the label has a wasp on the front of it, and other flying insects on it. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is not bug repellent. This is insecticide. This is bug killer. And I just hose myself with bug killer. And I go and fight. And this is not American FDA approved bug killer. This is Africa, like kill and stop, like stuff that could steal a goat kind of bug killer. And so I go and I find a guy and I was like, man, I just hosed myself with this. And he looked at me like I was so stupid. And I was like, no, I sprayed my face with this. And he looked at me like I was foolish. And I was like, am I going, am I going to get, am I going to get sick from this? Am I going to get hurt from this? And he's like, uh. And then the other American who'd been there multiple times, I told him, I said, hey, um, I just sprayed myself with this. I thought it was we call bug spray like bug spray. I said, he said, no, this is the stuff you spray in your room and you don't go back in for two hours uh, because you don't need to breathe it. And I was like, I sprayed my face. And he's like, well, you better go take a shower. So I went to go and, uh, and get rid of this stuff that I just hosed on there. And here is what happens is, is we get into life and we think that we're going to do these different things. They're going to keep things away. You know, with that, that if we work real hard, we can, we can keep lack away. And we get in the cycle and we play the game and, and we, we, we work and, and work out. And we go to the gym and, and that'll keep sickness away. And, and we'll go and we'll, and we'll try to handle all of our issues so we can keep our anxiety away. And we get in these cycles and these loops and we start playing these games trying to keep stuff away. And little did we know we're actually inviting these, this stuff of death into our lives, trying to do this on our own only produces all the stuff we're trying to push away. I did not want to get sick from the, from the bug, but then I could have made myself sick from what I sprayed on me. And we do that with these games that we play. And Jesus came to set us free from all of that. See, Jesus saw where we were at and understood what we were dealing with in Matthew chapter 11. Let's catch up in verse 28, and he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, my yoke is easy, and my burden, my burden, it's light. It's not going to weigh you down. It's not going to do that. He saw us in the middle of these games and, and us chasing our tails and doing all that where there was constantly trying to fight for a position and somebody's always losing. 
a game where we know that not everybody can win. And as long as we take care of ourselves, we're going to be all right. But that's not what God has called us to. How can we be in the middle of something that there's always a loser when God's called us to love God and to love others? He came to set us free from just trying to scrap and take care of ourselves where we can rest in him knowing we're taken care of. And that gives us the liberty and the boldness to dare to love others and live differently. See, Jesus came to disrupt the game. The game was killing us. The game was death itself. And Jesus came to disrupt the game. And here, uh, when we're going to back up to day one of this, day one of this um, death, burial, and resurrection process with Jesus. And we go back to Friday. And Jesus is hanging there on the cross. Jesus has been beaten like no man has ever been beaten. He's been be- beaten within an inch of his life. Those, those Roman uh, lictors is what they were called. They were trained to beat someone right up until the point of death. But Jesus was not going to die before the cross. And so they just beat him and they beat him and they beat him. He has been abandoned by every one of his followers. He has been, they've all walked away from him. He's been mocked and tormented and nailed to a cross. He's got spikes through his, his hands and feet and he's hanging on the cross. And it's in that moment that Jesus says this. He says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. They're just caught in this foolish, blind cycle and they don't know what they're doing We keep caught in these games, and here is what is so ironic. is right there in that same verse, it shows that right at the feet of Jesus, there are some grown men trying to get a little piece of the action via a game. And it says, and they divided up his clothes by casting lots. They had grown so callous to the gore and so callous to it that they played a game at the foot of the cross. While the most important thing of all history was taking place, they were wanted a chunk of Jesus' apparently pretty wonderful clothes. That these Roman soldiers were wanting to be able to each walk away with some of this. They didn't say, hey, this is Jesus and someday I can eBay this and make a lot of money. No, they wanted to wear it. They thought it was awesome. They wanted to do it and they were casting lots for this. They were playing a game to try to get their share and Jesus says, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. See, the beauty of God's love is that Jesus came and he he didn't die for those who adored him and loved him. The beauty of it is that he died for those who were opposed to him. That they were opposed. That did not care at all. See, Romans 8, I mean, Romans 5, verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not just his death, But his life, his resurrection has brought full reconciliation. Jesus came and he disrupted the game. In fact, he made us the winners. Romans 8, 
37 says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We're more than conquerors. He's the one who conquered and he put us in the winner's circle and made us more than conquerors. He's the one that did it. And all we have to do is receive what's been sent our direction, the victory that has been given to us. Now, uh, if you've been around Celebration Church, I'm really open about the fact that I'm, I'm not athletic. I'm secure in that, and I praise God, I've got other things I have, have skills at, but being an athlete is not one of them. But my dad and his brothers, they all played baseball growing up. They were all baseball players. My, grandf- my, my dad's dad, my grandfather, he was pitched um, even when my dad was in, was in college and, and did uh, softball. And so they just all were ball players. And so, of course, uh, my dad finds out it's a boy. Uh, you know, he can't wait. You know, here's this new Clark male on the scene going to play some baseball. And I'm sure about the time I was, you know, three and four years old and, and not very quick and not very agile, that he began to suspect um, baseball wasn't in my future, but wanted to give it a shot. And so uh, put me into Little League there in Odessa, Texas. I got put on to Interfirst's team, uh, Interfirst Bank, and so got put on that team. And they try to balance the teams out. And it'll tell you how bad I was, because I got put on a team that had at least two superstar athletes on the team. It had the case brothers. Now, Stoney and Stormy Case were amazing athletes. Stoney took Permian High School, sorry all you Bobcats out there, but took Permian back in the day uh, to an undefeated Texas state title in football, Uh, goes on to play uh, Division I football there at the University of New Mexico, that when he leads them to a conference title. He ends up getting drafted and goes to play for Arizona, played for multiple years. He was an NFL quarterback. This is the kind of athlete that was on my baseball team. His younger brother, who is my age, leads Permian to a state title um, and then goes on, plays Division I uh, football and is a Texas A&M quarterback, starting quarterback at A&M for a season. These are two stud, amazing athletes. And then there's Brandon Clark on the team. And so they're trying to balance all of this out. They stick me out in left field because, you, you know, if you're on the team, you got to get some field time. So they stick me out there where hardly anybody in Little League hits and playing the game. The Case brothers and the other studs are all winning the, you know, winning the scoring, making it happen. And I'm out there hoping that no ball comes my direction. I don't want to touch the ball. I don't want to be a part of it. I don't want to come my direction. But sure enough, bam, crack of the bat. It like goes, it's just mocking me. I just knew that one. And it pops over the infield and the ball is headed my direction. I was so thankful it was on the ground. It was not in the air. It was on the ground and it was rolling my direction. And so I put my glove on the ground. I don't even run towards it and scoop it up and throw it into first and get somebody out. I just stick my glove on the ground where I think the ball is going to go. Thankfully, my mathlete stepped in and I did the geometry in my mind. There we are. I see it happening and, and it rolls into 
my glove. And I'm just astonished, and my coach is astonished, and they're yelling, throw it! And I just chunk it somewhere towards the backstop. I don't even know that I threw it to a person. I just threw it in the right direction. And we go on, and we win the game. I never made contact that bad. I never got on base. I didn't score any of our runs. I just received what was sent my direction. I just stopped the ball. Well, then after the game, well, then the coach hands out the game ball. Well, there are people who made hits and got outs and did all of the different stuff that makes a championship, makes a win, just to win a game happen. And the coach takes that game ball and he says, nice stop, Brandon, and gives me the game ball. Here, all I did was receive what came my way. Somebody else won the victory, and all it did is I received what came my way, and I end up more than a conqueror. See, that is what this weekend is all about, is that, that we were caught in a cycle that we were stuck in. There was no way for us to have a victory. There was no way our sin and shame and all that shackled us and locked us into death, but Jesus came to break the hold of death. And to set us free from it. And all we have to do is receive that what's been sent our way. He's won it. And we just have to receive it. We just have to say, yes, I thank you, Jesus, for what you have done. See, Jesus disrupted the game by defeating death itself. Revelations 1.18 says, I am the living one. I was dead. And behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. See, the purpose of the cross and the resurrection was to bring peace, was to bring life. That was what it was. And, and that was what Jesus did. And Jesus did not come to start a new game. He did not come to invite us in to play a new game. He came to set us free from all of that. Maybe you're watching with some friends, and, and there you're just humoring a spouse, and they're like, hey, you know, you didn't have to come to church. Maybe you can experience my church with me, and maybe you're humoring somebody, and, and you're kind of new to this church thing, or you're skeptical of this church thing, and in your mind, all it is is just another game. It's just this other thing to be able to get some points and, and be able to please some God, and and that you say, okay, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God, and, and I go to church, and, and I do these things, and I get some points, and I, and I play a whole new game. But it is not. That's not that at all. It's not that at all. See, what this is, is that G, what, this is not about what we can do for him. It's about what he has done for us. We are celebrating the resurrection because he died for us. He rose again for us, and all we have to do is receive it. And that is the good news. It's not that you can be forgiven. It's that you are forgiven. That is the good news. And I hope that you're able to hear that today. You didn't come to start a new game and say, walk away from that game and that game and come play mine. No, he's like, I'm setting you free from all of that. Colossians 1.19 says, for God was pleased to have all the all his fullness dwell in him, Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on the earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Everything is set right. 
Everything in heaven, everything on earth, it's dealt with in Jesus. That is what this is 100% about. The work is completed. We're not trying to get God's approval, attention, or forgiveness. It's done. It's done. That is what we are celebrating. That is what this is about. And see, we simply must trust that he has done it and allow his love to redefine life. Because we were doing life wrong. Without God, we end up doing life wrong. We end up doing the thing where where somebody is going to get excluded and we fight for ourselves and there's a new way to do life. See, the cool thing is is the resurrection shows that Jesus has the authority and and we should listen to him and that he gets to redefine life. The reason we are talking about the Sermon on the Mount all these years later There are a lot of great teachers and a lot of great people who said things that people thought were were wise throughout the years. The reason we're talking about what Jesus said and said that what he had to say on things like the Sermon on the Mount all these years later is because Jesus beat death. Jesus rose from the grave. We're like, okay, since Jesus rose from the grave, what did he have to say? And that's why we talk about the Sermon on the Mount and we let Jesus redefine life because Jesus conquered death. The resurrection says he's the one we need to listen to and give us fresh and new life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them and he has committed to us this message of reconciliation what a beautiful thing that he's not counting our sins against it all of our sins our mistakes and missteps folks we had dug dug a hole we could never climb out of and because of that jesus went into a hole that only he could walk out of And that is the beauty of the resurrection, that all of our mistakes and missteps are dealt with because Jesus walked out of that hole, because Jesus left it, and we are able to live life completely differently. Romans chapter 6, verse 4 says, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. See, we don't just celebrate the resurrection because we're so glad that Jesus is alive, and we are. But we understand that that is what makes us alive as well. That Jesus' resurrection gives us a new life. It gives us a personal resurrection and a hope for an eternal resurrection. See, the grave is empty so that we can all win. So that we can all win. See, this game behind me, this musical chairs, is there's always going to be a loser. And we think if we're crafty enough and we're quick enough that, yeah, the next time it's going to be a little harder because the chair's pulled out. The next time it's going to be a little harder, yeah. But, but if I'm quick enough, man, I'm going to be the last one standing. Here's the lie. The lie is, is that if you fight to the end, you get the throne. The fact is, is it's not true. The fact at the end is that final chair is pulled too, and we're all left losers. And the truth is, is there's only one throne. 
And we walk away from this game because there's, there's a new place to sit. And it's set apart. And it's different than anything we've ever tried to do before. It's not trying to jump through hoops and practice a religion. It's letting God infuse us with life. And it's choosing to sit in a place that's been prepared for us, not by our doing and not by our merit, but by what Christ has done. And choosing to walk away from the game and to sit in a place that only, <clears throat> that only Christ has made available and allow him to do it. See, Revelation 3.20 says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. See, Jesus wants to come in. He came out of the grave. He wasn't left in the grave so that he could come in and be with us. That is what this moment is about. See, Jesus didn't want us left in either. He didn't want us left in our sorrow. He didn't want us left in our pain. He didn't want us left in our addiction. He didn't want us left in our hopelessness. He didn't want us left in all of the shackles and all of the frustration and the loneliness. He didn't want us left in that. So Jesus left the grave so that we could have new life and we can leave that other stuff behind. But we do that by responding not to an invitation to a new game, but respond to an invitation with a relationship and say, you know, where, where are you going to choose to sit? Are you going to choose to find your own spot in the game or are you going to choose to sit in the spot that's been provided for you? You're going to choose to sit with Christ and Christ alone. See, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. We have a new choice. We don't have to try to go back into the grind and the race and the games of life. We can choose to leave that mess behind and to just rest in Christ, in Christ alone. See, our bottom line today is that Jesus' win, it's everyone's win. It's everyone's win. That is why we celebrate this. That is why we do this is because Jesus won. Jesus' win is our win. It's ours. It's ours. See, resting in Jesus is where all of life's wins are found. That is what this is about. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.